We have to find a way to talk and have dialogue and be tolerant between other views. You have to have open dialogue, and that's where free speech is so important. Consent's a very important thing, and today in the Me Too movement, it's been very important because I think it's really opened up a lot of eyes. Cannabis is a healing herb. We as the people, we need to stand up and make a move. If you committed sexual assault, doesn't matter when it was, you should be held accountable for that. However, we have to make sure that we actually make sure they committed sexual assault, and we have to make sure that all allegations are verified. So put in these programs thinking that it'll help everyone, but what they forget is that the pathway to hell is paved with good intention. And I think that's what this whole movement is all about anyways, is uh, trying to be open to ideas. Welcome back to Liberty Talks Podcast, today with special guest, Ken Webster Jr. Welcome to the podcast, Kenny. Hello, sir. Thanks for having me, Michael. Good being here, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I know I've been on your show a few times, so I just thought it, it's, it just makes sense. We got to have you on the podcast. So, Yeah, absolutely. Love being here, man. You know, always cool talking to a like-minded individual. And I don't think I'm that much older than you, but you do represent, hopefully, the, the next crop, the next generation of, of people in our movement, both uh, politically and in, in terms of the industry. So I, I have to talk to people like you. You know, someday you might be my boss. Well, thank you for that. I, you're flattering me a little bit. No, but no, I really appreciate it. And, and you're absolutely true. I would actually say we both are that generation. I mean, are you a millennial uh, per se, I guess? I am. I am an elder millennial. So if I was a year older, I would be Generation X. But technically millennial, that's fine. Happy to do it. But old enough to know about mortgages and the IRS and stuff like that. I think that right now, so this is 2019. I don't know when people are watching this podcast or whatever. You never know. Um, but I think that right now, as it stands, if you're 25, between 25 and 36, you're a millennial. And if you're younger than that, you're Generation Z. And, and so, so what a lot of people in our generation wonder is, well, these people that are Generation Z, they're old enough to vote and be college graduates at this time. Generally, young people are always on the left, but each generation is different. How many people uh, are, that are young are on the left in each generation in terms of percentages varies. Back in the 1980s, there was a popular TV show. What was it called? Family Ties. And there was a character on it named Alex P. Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox. He was supposed to be a young, conservative, cool Republican, and his parents on the TV show were the, the worked at PBS. They were liberals, hippies, and this is the 1980s. I think that what that represented at the time was there was this big crop of people that were young who weren't on the left. You know, we always expect young people to be on the left, and at that little moment in time as Reagan was president, there were young, cool people that were on the right, and a lot of them, a big, a big chunk of them. And I think that right now we live in a similar time period. You have young libertarians and conservatives. And um, while there is clashes on college campuses and stuff like that, these people are, are in bigger numbers than they were maybe a decade ago or a generation ago. And that's a fantastic thing. Young Republicans, libertarians, conservatives, constitutionalists, or just people that aren't the left are part of the reason why Hillary Clinton isn't president right now. And thank God she isn't. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing this uh, grow is because of all the young conservative-minded uh, organizations coming out. I mean, in 2008, we got Young Americans for Liberty and Turning Point USA. And I mean, I can tell you from my experience, I found out about YAL while, while I was in high school and then got into it while I was in college. And that's the reason why I'm a libertarian today. I, dude, that's awesome. So Young Amer you're the statewide director right now for Young Americans for Liberty in Texas, are you not? Well, I was. I'm former, okay. but yeah, I yeah. was the Texas state chair, yes. Okay, right. I got you. So you have to, first of all, uh, thank you for your contribution to this movement. Thank you for your efforts and your work. Uh, you may want to update your voicemail message. I don't know if you know that or not, because it's still on there. I heard it earlier today. Don't worry about it. I have the same problem. Um, and what those organizations represent is fantastic for a, for a number of reasons. You know, Charlie Kirk is a national name right now. Ben Shapiro is a national name. These are young conservatives who, who, are get, who have a national audience, a national reach. Um, and, and there are little local versions of that as well in each city. I'm kind of like a regional version of what, I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a regional version of Ben Shapiro or anything, but I, I'm a regional act in that industry. And that's okay. We need all those things. We need people that are doing it statewide. We need people that are doing it on the Gulf Coast. And we need people that are pushing these, this, these, these principles just in Houston. We need all of those things at the same time for this to work. So, so you know, from, from Ben Shapiro to the little Ben Shapiro of Houston, whoever that may be, uh, every one of those people is just as important to this movement right now. We're not exactly libertarian. We're not exactly conservative. We believe in, in patriotism and, and we believe in uh, the, the, the sanctity of America and, and the, the virtues of being an American, but we also believe in liberty and we see how we're getting away from those things right now. Our, it's so cool what young people in our movement are doing because they're funny and they're funnier than people on the left. We're so lucky that we're part of a movement that has a sense of humor. These people on the left can't take a joke anymore. Think about this, Michael. How exhausting must it be to be a comedian in 2019 who's on the left? You think about it. You can't offend anybody. The only group of people you can make fun of is white males, and we don't care. Make fun of us. I don't care. But but if you try to throw a joke in there about gay people or the transgendered community or foreign-born Somalian Muslims or transgendered Eskimos with cleft lips, they can't handle it. And it's not even that they can't handle it. It's the bourgeoisie cocktail-sipping white upper-middle-class liberals of that movement who for some reason are the thought leaders of all these minority individual groups, these identity politics subscribers, who, who are getting offended and telling them that they need to be offended. And then, and then from there, it's like dominoes falling. It's, it's just chaos. And they, they don't know what to do because their movement is so hypersensitive that as they move forward, all they can do is get more sensitive and it's going to hurt them more than it helps them. Right. Well, you may not know this about me, but I'm actually someone that grew up in a more liberal family. I say classically liberal, but my parents were originally from Arkansas. They were uh, Bill Clinton supporters. I have to say Bill nowadays with Clinton because they everybody freaks out when you say Clinton supporters, right? They were Bill Clinton supporters. Well, there was no Hillary the politician then. She was just the wife, right? Exactly. The funny yeah. part about it, though, is that my parents voted for Bill Clinton and then voted for Donald Trump. Right. So you're a lot like Alex P. Keaton. I, I'm very similar. You know, that was, that, was, that was my point, was that I grew up in a very liberal family. I would, I would even consider myself classically liberal today. I just kind of, if anything, 
uh, I'm very similar to Dave Rubin. I think that my liberal uh, principles have become a conservative position. I think that yes. like the ideas yeah. of freedom, the ideas of limited government, and you know classical liberalism is now what is uh, now what the Republicans are very open to, not the Democrats anymore. Right. There's a fine line between being a libertarian and being classically liberal. They're strikingly similar. To, to some regard, there's so many similar policies, you might as well just put them in the same group. Uh, right. Rand would have called it objectivism. Similar thing, right? Uh, you know, we believe in liberty. We're, we're, not, we're not so stringent in our principles that we're not flexible to some extent. We're not extremists. But Michael, you explain it very well. Because 10 years ago, people with opinions like yours and mine, we never would have been considered conservative not in a million years. You know, this idea that leave people alone, get the government out of their way, uh, that was, uh, 10 years ago, was kind of a moderate opinion. Now it's shifted to the right. So it just goes to show you, when the political landscape changes, that's when our definitions of right and left change. At the end of the day, liberty is liberty. Once upon a time, classically liberal was on the left. Then it was considered a centrist opinion, and now it's moving from that into the right. You know, guys like David Rubin and Jordan Peterson, they're not that far to the right. If they're, we'd still consider them a centrist by definition, but part of the reason why they have so many fans on the right is because people on the left keep pushing us in that direction. But, you know, it's a funny thing about that, Michael, because the farther you go in either direction, eventually it's like a circle. You come back around again. What really is the difference between communists and Nazis? Well, one of them preaches a lot about Jews and the other about capitalism. But don't get me wrong, the communists were pretty bad to the Jews, too. And Nazis also hated capitalism. You know what I mean? You go far enough to the left or the right, and you're right back around the other way again. It's just authoritarianism. I, I kind of liken it, instead of thinking it like left or right, I like to scale it off as a hierarchy of liberty. And on the bottom, you have anarchists. And then just above that, you have your minarchists. And right above that, maybe libertarian or classically liberal, one or the other, conservatarian, conservative, Democrat, socialist, socialist, communists, and Nazis at the top, authoritarianism. And so really, for on the liberty hierarchy, you want to be as close to the ground as possible. You want to be grounded, but not so close that you get buried. Like, anarchy is just a little too much for me. You know, I, this idea that we don't want the government to at least make people safe from foreign invaders is probably a principle I'll never be able to grasp. But you know what's funny about that? When I really sit down and have a beer with a guy who calls himself an anarchist, like Barrett Brown, for example, uh, is a, a journalist from Dallas who's an anarchist that's been on my show a lot. He went to prison for three years because of the work that he did with WikiLeaks. I interviewed him live on the radio uh, from prison. I don't agree with everything that Barrett says, but he doesn't sound that crazy to me. Not enough. He doesn't sound sane enough for me to become an anarchist. But at the end of the day, I, liberty just makes more sense to me than control. There, there's nobody out there in this planet who's so brilliant that they should be able to make decisions for thousands of other people. There's nobody out there who's so grounded themselves that they should be able to make decisions for a, a family of four that lives in Arkansas, especially when they live in some ivory tower in Washington, D.C., you really understand it. I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I shouldn't be. No one should be with everything that you're doing, everything you say on the radio every single day. I mean, you really get it. So yeah, salute to you, sir. Um, but uh, l let's get into a little bit about you now, right? So um, how did you, you know, where did you grow up uh, at? Um, 
what were your political views? What really got you into politics and, and libertarianism? Okay, so, you know, that's a long story that I'll try to shorten a bit so it'll be interesting for your viewers and listeners. But my, not unlike yourself, my parents are not conservative libertarians. You know, they're, my mom and dad are more, were more centrist. I don't even know if they'd call themselves classically liberal. They were just moderates. They liked Ross Perot. And at a young age, you know, you're probably a little too young to remember Ross Perot. Ross Perot was the Donald Trump of his time. He just didn't win the election. He wasn't a game show host like Donald Trump. Uh, so he wasn't able to get the Republican nomination. But, you know, he didn't have that ability, that gift of gab. But his policies were very similar to Trump's. He was a right-wing populist. He saw how our broken immigration system was getting exploited. Um, he was pro-business, he was, he was pro-economics, but he wasn't a globalist. Um, so in that extent, he kind of had similar opinions to Trump. And for some reason, my parents liked him when I was, um, gosh, 10 years old. It must have been 1992. And, you know, I'm a baby of the 80s, but I, uh, I you know, I, I, I was a teenager in the 90s, and then I was an adult in the 2000s. He at a young age, right when I was old enough to understand what was going on with the election, I got that this two-party system is problematic. There's corruption in both parties. Lobbyists were one of Ross Perot's main things. He said, you know, the Republican Party has let the conservative movement down. The Republican Party, the Democrats have let the liberal movement down. And so he made some interesting points, and that stuck with me, especially because I respected my parents so much as a 10-year-old, who doesn't, you love your parents, I came from a nice family, you know, and not everybody gets to, but I'm grateful for that. So I had a degree of respect for my parents, and that influenced me enough to see a party problem with the two-party system, but I wasn't old enough to understand politics yet. So my parents both ran their own businesses. I, I came from a relatively nice town, and they were busy a lot. So I was raised by this radio personality named Man Cow. Every morning I'd get up, uh, you know, I'd take the bus to school. We'd listen to Man Cow on the radio. And Mancow was a shock jock. He was the Howard Stern of Chicago. He was prank phone calls, fart jokes, live appearances at the strip club to, a, to an 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 year old listening to rock and roll radio in the morning. That was pretty cool. You know, he hung out with rock stars and comedians, but he wasn't afraid to be edgy and he wasn't afraid to be controversial and he wasn't afraid to talk about politics. And he was not a leftist. Now, you know, most people in media, most people in radio, most people in TV, especially then, there was almost no conservative movement then. Back then, Fox News was just an idea. It was about to be created. We didn't have Breitbart yet. That Andrew Breitbart hadn't become a big idea, a big deal. Matt Drudge hadn't created the Drudge Report. We didn't have any of that. Reason.com was a paper magazine with no website that you probably couldn't even subscribe to if you wanted to. So Mancow would say things on the radio like, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't trust the, I don't trust the mainstream media. I'm, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, 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 I'm fiscally conservative. I'm, 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 I'm socially, uh, I'm socially liberal. And I didn't understand what that meant. You know, man cow, my man cow impression sounds a little bit like my Alex Jones impression, but they're a little different. If I was, was going to say, are they the same guy? <laughs> no, no, but they, but they know each other and they were on each other's shows a lot. Al, I met, I knew Alex Jones before anybody. Back before Alex Jones was a big deal. He was on Mancow's show, but I'm jumping ahead in the story here. <laughs> anyway, so Mancow would say things like that. He'd say, I'm a libertarian, but, but then he'd say things like, but I support Israel, or, you know, and I, I didn't understand what that meant. So as I started to get a little older, uh, I loved Mancow, but I went off to college, and I wanted to do radio. I quit listening to Mancow when I got to college, and I started doing my own college show. 
we played punk rock and electronic music. We were skater kids, you know. I, 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 was, an I was an average high school student, but when I started going to college, I became a really good student. When I was in high school, I don't know, C's and B minuses, not a great student. I, I, I did good enough that I got by. I passed, I graduated on time, and I got accepted to college, so there's that. But when I went away to college, I really got into it. I realized that I can do edgy things and make money. I could be a radio personality. I could be a club DJ. So that's what I did. I became those things. I started doing a music radio show at my college radio station. Um, I started, and, and you can't really make a lot of money in radio, especially not starting out. Eventually you will if you do it for long enough, but nobody does it for long enough to get there. Um, you know, I did, but again, I don't want to jump ahead of the story. So I started DJing at night on the weekends and stuff. And then we got this radio show on the weekends at Q101. So to anybody that's not from Chicago, Q101 is the alternative rock radio station of Chicago. It's kind of like the buzz in Houston. And, you know, every other little city has their own version of that. If you have an alternative rock station in your city, then you know what I'm talking about. And on the weekends, we would play electronic music and independent music late at night on Saturdays. It was a dream job. And if anyone's wondering how I got that job, which is a question I frequently get from people, the short answer is I was just in the right place at the right time. I was, I was a nice enough guy. I was hard enough working. Yes, I'm talented enough, but it's, you know, that expression, it's 95% perspiration. Well, that is really true, man, especially in radio. There's a lot of talented people that never make it. And there's a lot of really untalented people who have nationally syndicated radio shows uh, and everything in between. But, but most of the time, if you work hard enough, you make it. So I got this radio show on the weekends at Q101. Well, that just so happened to be where Mancow was the morning show host. This was a big deal. Mancow was my idol when I was 13 years old. I'd never heard anything like it. He was a big part of the reason, obviously, why I ended up in radio. And again, politics weren't even into this yet. But I was a registered libertarian because of Mancow. And uh, I voted for, who was it? Was it Erwin R. Scheifer? Uh, was it Harry Shear? It was one of the, I forget who it was in 2000, but I voted for that first libertarian candidate. I think it was Erwin R. Scheifer, and I think he passed away. I voted for Ron Paul over the years, you know. I always, I always try to support the libertarian candidates uh, over the years, and my opinions on that changed as I got older. But anyway, so I'm, at, I'm working for Mancow, and I'm at Q101. I, I'm not working for Mancow yet. I'm at Q101, and Mancow's there. And my dream is to work for Mancow. So I'm sure you see where I'm going with this. Eventually, I make that happen. Right as I'm finishing up college, I don't know what to do yet. I, I studied communications and journalism and political science. So I got a liberal arts degree from a major state university of Illinois, the University of Illinois at Chicago. And while I was there, um, there was no Turning Point USA. There was no Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, there were other smaller groups, but they weren't a big deal. So the libertarians and the republicans and the constitutionalists, we all hung out with each other on college campus and we threw parties and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd get to DJ at those parties. So obviously I was interested in politics and I was interested in music. So when I got the chance to be on Man Cow's show, that was a pretty big deal. I'm jumping around a little in the story here, but um, I've never told this whole story in length before. So forgive me if I'm not, if my chronological order is a bit off, but. That's totally okay. We want the story. I haven't heard it before myself either, so. You know, like I said, it's a long story, and I don't know how many of these details are interesting. I'm trying to tell the story the way I would want to tell it, but I'm trying to include details that I know your viewers are probably people that are trying to get into this industry. So if they are, you've been paying attention for this long. Here's where it gets good, all right? Here's where it matters. 
uh, you want to be in radio, you want to be in Fox, you want to work at Fox Business Channel or Fox News or Breitbart or anything, start off with this. You need to get an internship, okay? Now, right away, that challenge of getting the internship was hard when I was in my early 20s. I'm now in my mid-30s. Since then, it's gotten even harder. Because of lawsuits and stuff like that by interns who worked at some, you know, sh can I swear in this? Yeah. Okay, interns who worked at, you know, some some shitty alternative rock station in the middle of nowhere. There were lawsuits and stuff in my industry over the last decade. And what ended up happening was they got rid of internship programs. Interns still exist, but it used to be that every radio station had 16 interns and they didn't get paid, but you got to drive the station vehicle and you got tickets to BuzzFest and you got to party. You got, you know, you, you get all the perks of being at the radio station, but you just didn't get paid to be there. But when you're a young, broke college kid, fine. You don't care. That's fine. If you can afford to do that. But because of lawsuits and stuff, they don't really have unpaid internships anymore. Michael, this is a big problem. This is a big problem, not just in my industry, but a lot of industries. We live in a world now. We live in a nation with people that are drowning in college debt. People who get done with school and they've been indoctrinated into progressivism. They're drowning in college debt. Bill, we're talking, what is it now? Two point something billion dollars in college debt in America? That's a big problem, man. Our, the, our parents didn't have that problem. That's a huge problem. And it's these same people that support Bernie Sanders and socialism um, who, who, who will tell you that college debt is a problem, but they're the reason the college debt exists. And they want Bernie Sanders to be president because he's talking about free college for everyone. Well, of course they would want that because that gives them the ability to take money right out of your parents' bank account and put it into theirs. It's, it's a genius scam. It's cronyism. It's theft. I wish I'd thought of it. Uh, it's completely immoral. It's totally unethical. But anyway, so we don't really have apprenticeships anymore. Now, I say that with an asterisk next to it, Michael. We don't really have apprenticeships anymore, but somewhere there's somebody who will see that you have that gleam in your eye. And if you email them enough, if you hound them enough, if you write enough letters to that program director or that editor, I love your work. You are one of my heroes. I would love to be in your industry. Write letters, write emails. Don't worry about being annoying. Get in their face. Get, go, try to, hey man, it's my, it's my dream to work, to do what you do and to work for you. That's my dream. And, and the first 20, 30 times, Michael, you do this, they're going to say no. They're going to hang up on you. They're going to delete the email. They probably won't even reply. But my hand on the Bible, dude, this works. If you do it enough time, you know what doesn't work? Replying, replying to job app, replying to job websites with job openings. That never works. Every radio gig I ever got in my life, and I've had a lot of them, I got by writing an email to somebody who didn't have a job opening. And I've applied to a lot of job openings, Michael. If I had known this, if I had known then what I know now, I'd probably be a lot farther in my career. But anyway, so we're just at that point in my career where I'm even considering getting into radio. I finished up college. I, with all that being said, I just finished up college. I took this, uh, this LSAT test. I was going to go into law school. I got accepted to John Marshall Law School in Chicago. It's a middle tier local law school that accepted me on the first application. So I thought, fine, I don't know what I want to do. I'll go to law school. I like politics. I like journalism. I like broadcasting. Maybe if I had a law degree, it'd be an easier way to get into a virtually impossible industry to get into. And it was right around that time that Man Cow heard some of my comedy bits. By the way, I forgot to mention, I make little vignettes. I still do it today. I make 60 second, 30 second, 20 second, 90 second parodies, satire, bits, comedy bits. 
where I do voices and get other people and write skits like Saturday Night Live on the radio, but shorter and punchier and more to the point because people have a short attention span on the radio. I learned how to do this. And he heard my work and he gave me a part-time job. So mom and dad are furious. I'm, I'm not going to law school now, which to them, you know, they thought, well, Kenny's going to go to law school. He'll be fine. Oh, great. Now he's going to radio. To this day, I've still always thought, if, if radio doesn't work, should I go to law school? I don't know. At this point, it probably doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, for, for years there, I didn't know. And by the way, at this particular point in my life, I'm still not even sure if I want to be a talk show host. I just know that I don't want to have a normal job. Being a talk show host on a news radio station in a major market, like how many of those jobs are there? We live in a city with 6 million people in the greater Houston area, and there is a dozen of those jobs, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's a lot. Most other cities don't have that many jobs. Smaller cities, smaller markets like New Orleans or Baton Rouge, they're outsourcing news radio shows from Houston. Like they're getting rid of this stuff. They don't have the local hosts anymore it's harder to work your way up. There is this other thing that's happened is now we've got the digital media. Now we have podcasts and stuff. So don't some jobs that used to exist don't exist anymore. Now there's new jobs that don't exist, uh, that didn't exist before that now do exist. You get what I'm trying to say. But anyway, I work in terrestrial radio. I work in old school AM radio. So in, my, in the 2000s, back in my 20s, um, you know, I've made this into a really long story. What's the point? I'll get to the point. Um, I was on the Man Cow Show. The Man Cow Show is this funny punk rock um, right-wing comedy morning shock jock show with prank phone calls and phone calls, but also Newt Gingrich would call the show. You know, it was just a weird place to work at. It was a very unique place to work. We would, um, we would have a porn star on the show the same day that we'd have Andrew Breitbart on. Andrew Breitbart, by the way, had a huge influence in my life because I met him right when his career was starting to take off. And he's the one who encouraged me to go forth and and don't just keep being a club DJ, but you know, again, I'm getting ahead of myself in the story here. So working for Mancow was great, but there wasn't a lot of money in it. It was enough money for me to have a full-time job and pay the bills, but you know, that's living in a cheap apartment in Chicago, which is kind of a rough city to live in. And you know, I, I wanna make money, you know, I wanna do something for a living. My parents both had, my parents are both small business owners. Both of them have done okay for themselves. And so that's, that's the bar I had. That's, that's the goal that, you know, my, but my parents didn't do unrealistic things like make prank phone calls for a living. They, they sold insurance and annuities and stuff like that. You know, it was just different. My mom is an interior designer. It's not the same thing, right? So there was also this other thing that happened back in the 2000s. I finished college in 2005 and I was 23 years old. I got right into the Man Cow Show and by 2008, we were in a really bad recession. So right away, like major layoffs in the broadcast industry, all these jobs were gone. Um, I didn't even know if I was going to stay in radio. There wasn't any money in this. I'd, I'd kind of already peaked. I was one of the co-hosts on Man Cow's show, but it's not like Man Cow being on the Man Cow show was going to give me a, my own talk show because he had an independently owned show that was syndicated. And, you know, it just wasn't that obvious at the time that I could use this to get my own show. So I started to focus more on club gig DJing because there was money in that. You know, it was a quick way to make money and it was cash. So you didn't always have to involve the IRS. Uh, and then this weird thing happened where I got hired to do the sound and animation and comedy writing on a cartoon show called Homeless Cop. You can watch it if you want at homelesscop.com. Homeless Cop is a friend of mine who is very progressive. He's uh, uh, an artist. You'd see him in Juxtapose magazine. Uh, you'll also see his artwork on Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. 
And so he and I created a cartoon for Cartoon Network called Homeless Cop. And I don't know how much of this story I could tell without getting into trouble. Let's just say as Jason and I were developing this thing, there was some behind the scenes legal issues with the person that was funding it. And it wasn't exactly clear who owned the cartoon. Jason's a creative genius. He's a progressive. We don't agree on politics at all, but I'll just say this, like Jason Fennell, homelesscop.com. If, if you're into punk rock and animation and skateboards, and if, if you were ever like that when you were younger, check out Jason Fennell's artwork. You'll love it. It's really cool. It's really edgy. It's really in your face. And Jason's one of my best friends, but we were making this cartoon and I was kind of working on the man cow show and kind of doing club gigs and all these things were making me money, but I just didn't see where it was going because, you know, I felt like I'd plateaued on the man cow show and Jason and I, we didn't even know if our, our cartoon, if we owned it or not, and if there'd be a lawsuit and if it would ever fully make it onto TV. Spoiler alert, it sort of did, but not like as a career or anything. They still show our stuff late at night in these little vignettes on uh, Adult Swim. And anyway, I was a cartoon cat and that was fun. Watch me kick these facts, yeah. That I come and I just educate Our style is great, status MCs wanna legislate My rhymes are crazier than last year's election Don't play me close, second amendment Teach a quick lesson My shit's encrypted simply meaning that I got the keys Anonymous IDs, blockchain baller sees Sometimes I might catch apologists for legal plunder But at the end of the day, tax is theft, brother My name's A.B., I'm known for slamming politicians, yup If you're corrupt, the non-swarm's gonna rip you up Freedom fanatic, and never will it ever stop Oh, you want trouble? You might just wanna call the cops Reading human action on paper to make sure each verse sunk in and spread out like inflation. The only tip I got for status is watch your man sell out quicker than your ass could take a picture. That was my frame of mind. Now I stay on my grind because our pain is gaining. We know who to blame. So turn Chick, and she hella fit, she an activist, anti-establishment, got a rocker look, make a blue collar, empty his pocketbook, he in love with the thrill, but she don't love him, she in love with the world, sexy tattoos on the back of the girl, yeah she is single but don't wanna mingle, you give her your number, she give middle finger like yeah, tell me where have you been all in my life, you a libertarian, is that right, I don't wanna talk about no politics, Kool-Aid you sugar, let me and you mix, get together, I treat you right Alright, so... Back in the early 2000s, it was a rough time to be in Chicago. I mean, it still is. Chicago's a rough city. Chicago's the next Detroit. It's the next Memphis. It's one of the biggest cities in America right now, and it's a business hub. But because of progressive economic policies and authoritarian mayor offices like Rahm Emanuel, eventually that city is going to plummet. It's a sad thing to, to say, especially with all the history there. But I don't have high hopes for Chicago, and I definitely didn't then. Knowing what I knew about politics and what I believed, what was ingrained in my soul, I didn't have a real optimistic perspective of the city where I lived, and it bothered me. But I was still working for Man Cow at the time, and I was doing this cartoon on Adult Swim. And one day, me and Man Cow, we got invited to go uh, eat lunch with Andrew Breitbart. We'd met him before, but it hadn't occurred to me yet what a big deal Andrew Breitbart was. We had him on the show a lot, actually, but at the time, he wasn't that legend of our industry yet. 
Um, we, we also had that other guy on our show a lot. Uh, what's his name? The food guy who died. Um, Anthony Bourdain. It didn't occur to me then that he was a big deal either. He, his, these guys, both of their stars were just starting to rise. But anyway, so Andrew Breitbart, went, we went out to lunch once. And he asked me, you know, what, why do you guys live in Chicago? And Mancow was like, well, you know, I got a hit show. You know, my wife and kids are here, whatever. And he turned to me and asked me the same question. And I just didn't have an answer. I was born there. That was the answer. And he goes, well, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't live where I grew up either. You know, and you don't have to stay where you live. And it occurred to me that he was right. So right around that time, some of my comedy bits ended up getting sent down to the Gulf Coast to this radio show called The Walton and Johnson Show. And I sort of had a little bit to do with it getting sent down there, but it also was kind of because somebody that I knew who was in the industry thought these guys should hear my comedy bits. So I sent some of my work down there and I get this email back from these two guys and they said, hey, you should come down here. You should meet us. And I thought, oh, okay. And at the time I thought they were in New Orleans. Well, they were in New Orleans, at least their radio show was, but they actually lived in Houston. Anyway, I, di I didn't know much about Houston having grown up in Chicago and never been to Houston before, in my head, I, I guess I sort of imagined that Texas was kind of like, you know, a John Wayne movie, like tumbleweeds and stuff. And of course, Houston's nothing like that. It's Paul Wall and Jeremy Lin, and you know what I mean? It's just a completely different thing. <laughs> and Ron, you know, it's Absolutely. a totally different thing than what you imagine it to be like. Um, so it didn't take me long to figure that out. But I'd been to Dallas before. My uncle lives in Fort Worth, but I'd never been to Houston. So I get off the plane and I go meet these guys and we immediately hit it off. They moved me down here and that was 2012. And right around then I was 29, I was about to turn 30. And that was kind of when I realized, you know what, this is what I want to do for a living. Like I'd kind of been doing it for years, but I'd been doing it while I was also a club DJ and producing a cartoon and, you know, all these other weird things that I had my hand in. I, I played keyboards in a hip hop band we thought we were like the roots. You know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was in my, I thought I'd go back to law school at some point when this part of my life was over. Anyway, so on the Walton and Johnson show, that was kind of when I hit my, that was kind of when it started to become obvious to me that this is what I was going to do for a living. Working on the Walton and Johnson show um, kind of slingshotted me into a, a spot on the Michael Berry show, which is another big conservative news radio show. And I started writing for Breitbart, Texas. And, you, you know, you guys know what Breitbart is. They, had a, they started their own Texas website. And I was one of the first guys to write on that. And the way I got into it was I knew Andrew Breitbart. And then, and this was before the whole alt-right thing and Milo Yiannopoulos. And at the time, Breitbart and Daily Caller, there were only so many, even, even six or seven years ago, there were only so many of these right-wing digital news sites that even mattered. Um, and... Then suddenly it started to occur to me that I could have my own show. They put me on on the weekends. They put me on, uh, then they moved my late night weekend show to a time when people could hear it. Then they moved that to late at night on weeknights. And eventually now I've got, uh, now I'm the highest rated show on the afternoon for news radio in my time slot. And, uh, you know, tens of thousands of listeners uh, checking out the show every day. Thousands of people watch it on Facebook Live. Uh, thousands of people download the podcast. But even still, you know, I'm still a regional act. There, there's, 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 there's city acts, there's nationwide acts, and then there's regional acts. I'm a regional act. We're, we're big around the Gulf Coast. I, I have listeners in New Orleans and Corpus Christi and Shreveport and stuff. We're not on in New York. I'm not on in L.A. yet. Maybe that'll happen someday. But in the meantime, I kind of like being a regional act. You know, it's a comfortable lifestyle, and I get to speak to a really interesting uh, demographic of people. 
the oil industry, the Gulf Coast, the space industry. Those people are my listeners. They listen every day. And I love that. Anyway, that's a long story. And it got interrupted by some internet connection issues we were having. But hopefully your listeners are still, your viewers and listeners are still paying attention. And if they are, that's how it happened, man. It all started off with, I was an annoying kid who hung out at a radio station. I spent as much time there as I could trying to get a job working for free for a long time, you know, in college. And then eventually now I have enough money where, you know, I own a couple of cars and a house and I, I go on vacation a lot. And, you know, I'm finally at a point where I'm making money at this thing, but it didn't really happen until I hit my thirties. You have to want to be broke for a while for this to work, but you have to love it, you know? And if you do, it'll happen. Well, that's awesome to hear. I mean, like you said, you know, it was a little bit of a long story, but it was awesome. And uh, I think it really gave some of our listeners something to think about if they want to go into talk radio or uh, this kind of industry. I mean, a lot of people, uh, they want to be in this, but it's like you said, you got to work hard and you're not going to make the best money while starting off, you know? No, but eventually you could become a millionaire. You know, I almost wonder if you should edit it down to get to the point, Michael, but I, I want people to understand this about that story. If you work hard enough and bust your ass and you're willing to work for nothing, eventually you can get rich. And that's the truth. That's what's awesome about America. Well, I mean, that's, that's absolutely why I wanted to hear it because I never heard it before. I never, I've been listening to your show for a little while now and haven't really heard much about your background. But I mean, but I mean it's like you like, said, you know, I mean, you know, I mean that, that is the American dream, dream. working hard, uh, maybe not making the best money at first, but uh, keep going, keep on your grind, and eventually you'll find success. Yeah, I, a little uh, disclaimer, I probably should have explained this to your users, uh, your viewers earlier. At this point here, I, I just did 12 hours of radio, and then I came home and we did this interview. So if I'm rambling a lot, I've had a lot of caffeine today, and I've been awake for a very long time. Well, that's totally understandable. And again, I appreciate you coming on Liberty Talks podcast after uh, doing your show all day long, because I can only imagine how you're feeling. Oh, it's all good, dude. I love doing this stuff. Michael, I love the work you do. I like uh, you. You are part of a social circle that I, I want. I want to blossom. I want people. What are you about 10 years younger than me? Right? Like, I want there to be more Michael Anderson's out there. I want there to be more guys like you. So yeah, call into my show anytime. I love what you guys do, and, and, and I hope there's more people like there, out there like us. Well, awesome. And just to give the viewers a little bit more information, um, if they don't know about you, this is uh, Ken Webster Jr., a.k.a. Producer Kenny. He uh, hosts the Pursuit of Happiness radio show on KPRC, and you can find them on iHeartRadio. Yeah, man, just, just Google Ken Webster Jr., Pursuit of Happiness Radio. I'm on Facebook. Some people call me Producer Kenny. If you type any of this stuff into Google, you'll find me. On Twitter, I'm at Ken Webster Jr. Show. Uh, previously verified, had my verification checkmark taken away. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's right-wing politics as usual. There's Andrew Breitbart once said, with, with more voices, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're strong as individuals, but more voices makes us better. And we want there to be more people out there like you. Well, awesome. And, and I really appreciate that. Uh, Kenny, I mean, it really keeps us going. Um, we started up the podcast uh, last October, just a friend of mine from college, and we've, we've really blossomed just uh, going on a few little hosting sites to now over a dozen, and we have many different contributors that come on the po podcast now. So, I mean, um, 
I think, you know, it's, it's really starting to blossom. And I got a lot of inspiration from you. You know, I mean, the reason why we start up this podcast is because there's not a lot of young people and a lot of young conservative or libertarian outlets out there that are talking about politics, uh, pop culture, and current events. But that's changing. And that's what's so cool. I, I think it's great, man. Well, that's, that's, thank you. And, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's changing. Uh, there's so many new people out there and uh, Liberty Talks is one of them. And that's why we're having you on the show. We're trying to get as many new, um, well, as many uh, awesome Liberty minded people out there to uh, come on the show and talk about themselves, how they got into the industry and what they think young conservative libertarians should be doing um to make the uh, next generation even better yeah hey man amen to that brother I'm, I'm with you thank you again ken webster for uh coming on liberty talks podcast where can our listeners find you at just go to kenwebsterjr.com it's that easy you'll find links to my facebook page and my twitter account and but if you search for me i'm easy to find too kenwebsterjr.com will take you to my blog on kprcradio.com currently the most viewed news radio personality blog of any news radio personality in iHeartMedia in the entire country. So lots of great content there. Uh, please read it. Fantastic. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Hopefully we can get you to come back again sometime. Yeah, dude. Any happy to come back. I'd love to, Michael. Honestly, I'm flattered that you asked me to do this. Happy to do it. Hey, thanks again for coming on after, you know, being on the air all day long and doing your thing. But I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me. Yeah, hey, I was sincere when I said I'm honored to do it, flattered. And whenever you're done with this, shoot me a link. I'll share it for you. Calling plays, I'm a coach. I get that bread by the loaf. I chop the head off a goat. TAC all in the smoke. You ain't pure, you cut dope. Watch me fly by in a telescope. Blue honchos in the envelope. Telling meet me at the rendezvous. Power up like I'm Majin Buu. Deja vu, deja vu. Draco in my trench coat. She wanna hang with a pro. You better do what you told. I want a nut on her toes. All of my diamonds, they froze. Why is my heart so cold? Freeze tag with the hose. Fast like lightning bolt. Control your mind like cold. I got the cheat code. Pussy tastes like cantaloupe. I got that power. Like ghosts, I wanna pull up in ghosts. Get that little bitch, then I'm ghost. Get that bread, Texas toast. Real players getting chose. My little nigga lost his mind, I know. Pistols on pistols on lows. Muddy boys in the bando. Whip up the pot like Cambos. Bathing ape in all camo. Drip like candle. They don't really understand us. We get that bread like a subway sandwich. My little bitch speaking Spanish. We got that drip like a canvas. We got that drip like a canvas. We got that drip like a canvas. Money talk, money talk. I wanna live in the vault. My diamonds water like boss. My little bitch move like a boss. Lip gloss, lip gloss. Glitty just whip up that sauce. I'ma go speak with the guys. I chase a bag with my dogs. My teammate taking no loss. We gon' create our own laws. I'm a dog, check the prince of my.